On today's show, as the NFL season kicks off tomorrow night, we discuss the value of continuity. Before we get there, I want to give you one reason why gambling should be legal everywhere. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Dallas Cowboys. Tomorrow night, NFL season opener. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, favored by seven and a half points. I think that actually blipped up to eight this morning. However, my bet is already in. It's Tampa Bay, minus seven and a half. I would still take them at eight. There are three reasons for doing so. Number one, it's a bet on history. Because since the NFL started doing these Thursday night season openers, the home team is 15 and three straight up and 11, three and four against the spread. Okay, little ode to history, the Super Bowl champion. They come out on Thursday night. They beat a team into dust. That's why we're betting on Tampa Bay. Number two, because Tom Brady is here to haunt us until we all die and he will still be winning Super Bowls when he's 150. And we have long since passed away and turned into dust. And so you just bet on him. It's a fact of life at this point. I've stopped trying to fight it. There was a time earlier in my life when I did. And now I just lean into it. Just bet on him. Just bet on him until you die. Okay. And last but not least, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan and I watched Mike McCarthy coach for a long period of time. And I can assure you about two things. Number one, he is not a good football coach. Number two, the play call sheet that he holds in front of him is not that, but indeed it is an Arby's menu. So now we have our reason why gambling should be legal everywhere so you can make money off of the man that is secretly ordering two hot beef and cheddars through his headset. And now, sports with Chris Rawl. There are two sides of sports that I love talking and thinking about. Number one is the statistical side. I always make jokes that I'm a numbers man. I actually am a numbers man, and I love that side of the game, the side that can be measured, and I can dive for hours and hours into these weird formulas and gambling lines and all that kind of stuff and try to deduce what they mean and how they relate to the on-field product. I love that aspect of sports. Now, I don't discuss that side as much on this show. I decide, or I discuss the other part more, which is the non-tangible side, the side that you can't really measure or find a clear, hard, black and white answer. That I also love just as much. And for purposes of discussing on a solo show like this, I love it even more because I can kind of theorize and pick and poke and prod at these concepts and thoughts that don't necessarily have a singular answer. It's that intangible aspect of sports. You can't measure it. We know it exists. Uh, How much you buy into what it means, it kind of depends upon the person. So the question today is how valuable is continuity? Okay. Um, That word is, it obviously holds value. Continuity, how much it kind of depends upon the person in your own belief system. Um, Continuity in business terms It's kind of trying to strike a balance between two things. The one side is the value of working alongside others over a long period of time and gaining an understanding of their habits and their thoughts and their actions. There's a lot of meaningful things that can arise out of that particular part of continuity. Uh, And then there's the opposite side, which is kind of the versus, the either or proposition, which is staleness and settling into the same old habits, settling into a rut, and just being content because you've been around the same people to continually run back 
this thing over and over and over again, even if it's not in your best interest? How do you find a balance between those two areas when you're together with other people trying to create something over a period of time? That is the question of continuity. Uh, And so as part of this, new is always exciting, obviously. Uh, A new hire, it's that fresh idea, injection. It's, hey, you do things differently from the person who whose role you you came in to fill. You're thinking outside the box. You're doing all these things differently from what we always have known. That's fresh. That's new. That's exciting. When you've been together for a certain period of time, the question always is, is this better? Um, That's kind of, from an organizational standpoint, you got to trust in your hiring process to see down the road and say, okay, within a year, we're going to trust that new will translate into established continuity, which in turn will translate into beneficial to our organization. So football is obviously fresh on my mind and will be for the next four months. Just settle in, strap in. I'm going to be talking about football all the time, all day, every day. Okay. And within this world, continuity is a concept that is talked about ad nauseum and especially how important it is within the sport. Uh, Because within football, continuity a lot of times is equated with Cohesion, which makes sense because football is a sport based upon individuals working within the structure of an 11-man scheme. And when you start breaking that down into duties and how those duties affect one another, it starts to make sense that, yes, I understand continuity, which translates into cohesion, is very valuable within this particular sport. You break an offense down into units and you say, okay, an offensive line. Each individual player, tackle, guard, center, you're all blocking. We understand that. So you have to be good at blocking to begin with and understanding all of the nuances and have the physical power and agility to do that and prevent these 320-pound defensive linemen who are fast as hell from crushing your quarterback. That's already way hard. But on the cohesion side, on the continuity side, well, not only are you doing your own individual job of blocking this D-tackle, but you have to understand what the person next to you is doing and what your quarterback is doing and how everything is working in unison to be greater than just the sum of your individual blocking assignment. Whether that's within the nuance of a run play and working together as an offensive unit uh, to open up holes because you're blocking here and you know this other guy's blocking there or within the structure of a pass play and pass blocking for A quarterback like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, quarterbacks that don't necessarily abide by the traditional rules of when to get rid of the ball and that kind of stuff, the more you can build up continuity and cohesion along a line, you gain understanding for how that quarterback behind you is going to play. Blocking for Aaron Rodgers, that's going to be different from blocking for Tom Brady. They play two very different styles of, of quarterback, both very successful, but The cohesion that comes from being around that person and practicing with them and then playing in games with them for a long period of time, you understand the value that can be derived from that. You go down the list on the offense and it's still there, whether it's running backs and understanding where holes are going to be and how they need to hit them within a play caller's preference or the cohesion that is built up between a quarterback and wide receiver and how that really exponentiates the more that you are around one another as we've seen with all these high-level quarterbacks and wide receivers. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers is a very good example. Uh, I've watched that up close as a Packers fan. 
over the course of time, it seems like now they can just throw certain routes in their sleep. Back shoulder, they just know when to do it. And it's like clockwork. And in actuality, that's just been a process of repetition and understanding and building up continuity over the course of years and years and years. Defense, it's the same thing. You know, defensive line, linebackers, cornerbacks, safeties. If one of those people screws up, then the entire system fails. Again, that's a really cool aspect of football. It's breathtaking athleticism on an individual scale, but also as part of a bigger unit. Um, That's kind of the beauty of the sport. That high-level athleticism combined with the highest level of mental processing that requires you to work within the framework of your system. So as I'm describing this, I'm sure you're getting a better grasp and understanding of how continuity can play a very valuable role within this sport and especially on that mental processing side because the longer you are together the more that you understand and can build up that trust that everything is going to be in place on an individual scale your offensive line your quarterbacks your running backs your wide receivers and also on the coaching side that play call we trust that it the the coaches know what's going on and they're putting all of us in the best position to succeed based upon our skill sets and attack the weaknesses that they have defined through film study and through the course of this game of the opposing defense. So the easiest place to start circling in and talking about this is the value that comes from having quarterback and play caller continuity. Because this is one of the things that is talked about a ton in present day. We've never really been more aware of this connection, quarterback and play caller, and how it's a mutually beneficial arrangement. Probably because offenses are just exploding at record pace every single year, and we're always trying to examine how this is happening. So as part of this valuable uh, commodity, if you want to call it that, of quarterback and play callers building up trust and continuity and cohesion, you kind of hear about the second year leap that comes within this relationship. Um, Probably five years ago, Kyle Shanahan and Matt Ryan is when I really first started hearing about this prominently. They've been together for one year. It was fine. Kyle Shanahan, he's the up-and-comer. He joins the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, It's an okay offense the first year together in 2015. Matt Ryan, good quarterback. Never really considered to be amongst the very best quarterbacks. But in year two, 2016, that offense explodes. It's the best offense in football. Matt Ryan wins most valuable player of the NFL. Uh, at the time, it's breaking records in its own right. And we get a really good window into, oh, a second-year leap can occur when you pair a good play caller with a good quarterback. And a lot of times, we don't necessarily see that coming based upon the prior year's results. However, when we see it played out in real time, we can understand that when a good play caller is paired with a good quarterback, it will flush out the very best aspect, the very best aspects of both of those people. Last year is another great example when you look at the Packers and Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, because a year prior, Matt LaFleur comes in to take over for Mike McCarthy, and the Packers have a successful season as a team. They're 13-3. and They lose to the Niners in the NFC title game. The offense, it's okay. It's not great. It's not beating the pants off of opponents, Um, but we go into year two, and based upon what we've seen in the past with Shanahan and Matt Ryan and other examples, 
I, as a Packers fan, and hoping, okay, I, I trust the talent is still there with Rodgers. I like a lot of what I've seen from LaFleur as a play caller. There was just something a little bit off, whether that was the trust or whatever. Uh, something was a little bit off with the offense. Maybe it can come around this year. Never in my wildest dreams would I have imagined what actually did occur, which was an explosion on the same scale as the 2016 Falcons. Uh, Packers, the best offense in football. Aaron Rodgers comes in, wins the most valuable player, puts in one of his best statistical seasons ever. And again, we see the value that can come from having a play caller who is good paired with a quarterback who is very, very, very good. Now, Rodgers is an interesting person to examine through the prism of continuity because just the act of being together for a long period of time doesn't necessarily equate to good, meaningful impact. His prior coach was Mike McCarthy, who was with Rodgers for over a decade. And the last five plus years of that relationship was not a mutually beneficial arrangement. It kind of resembled a marriage that had lasted far too long and neither one really was willing to get a divorce for whatever reason. And so Mike McCarthy would roll out the exact same scheme in 2017 as they had in 2010. And every defense knew it was coming and it was up to Rodgers to try and make magic with a roster that did not have a lot of talent. And the Packers were losing and not really fulfilling uh, the Super Bowl promise that they had cashed in on, on in 2010. So LaFleur comes in and changes kind of the dynamic there. Um, but the question in the NFL always is, is new and exciting and fresh going to equate into something meaningful on the continuity side? Packers? That hire of Matt LaFleur's turned out to be a home run. Nobody knew it was going to be at the time. We didn't really know a lot about Matt LaFleur, but their hiring process and the trust they had in him as a coach, that is being rewarded in present day. Not always the case. It's kind of the balance you have to find as an organization uh, within the actual hiring of a coach and the drafting of a quarterback or signing of a quarterback and understanding are these two parties that are going to bring out the best in one another. You look throughout the league and you're seeing really good examples of that at the very, very top when it comes to high-level play callers and high-level quarterbacks, whether that's Brian Dayball and Josh Allen. I recorded an entire show about that, which I would encourage you to go back and listen to. The mutually beneficial arrangement of those two parties. Dayball is the coordinator, Allen is the quarterback, and what a great job the Bills as an organization have done to put those two people in the best possible position to succeed, and then those two people putting one another in the best possible position to succeed. That's why the Bills went to the AFC title game last year. That's why Josh Allen was the runner-up in the MVP race to Rodgers. Um, Pat Mahomes, who a lot of people regard as the best player in the league at Kansas City, well, part of that is tied into the combination of Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, uh, as far as the play-caller continuity side is concerned because they have been there every step of the way in his career, and it has been a mutually beneficial arrangement to the highest degree. Andy Reid, we always knew he was a phenomenal play caller. The one knock against him from the winners-losers crowd was, well, he's never won a Super Bowl, so is he actually that good? Is he as good as the very best? And Pat Mahomes steps in, and together they go and win a Super Bowl two years ago and play for another one last year, and now everybody just agrees, yeah, this is the best quarterback in the league, and this is one of the best play callers and offensive minds of all time. We've seen that over the course of Tom Brady's career, especially with New England and Josh McDaniels, who has been his offensive coordinator there for the vast majority of his career, and the beneficial arrangement that that really tapped into. Um, Brady, 
credible quarterback, very cerebral in his own right, and McDaniels, cutting-edge play caller and schemer. And those two together resulted in a lot of high-level offensive football and a lot, a lot of winning. So the more that those relationships can be flushed out, the continuity that was built over years and years and years with Brady and McDaniels, the better the quarterback becomes. Um, because a common theme of this show and the way that I think, remember, you know, you're always dependent upon your situation. Even at a position like quarterback, which we want to give all the credit to or all the blame to, you're still dependent upon that situation. Big part of that situation, it's your play caller. So when we start looking towards the season, which begins tomorrow night, Tampa, Dallas, and then a full slate of games starting on Sunday. It's no coincidence that the defending Super Bowl champions and presumed favorites for this year are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're currently plus 650, give or take, depending on your book, to win the Super Bowl. The only team that has better odds is the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be the best team in football coming into the season. They have talent everywhere. They have the winningest quarterback of all time under center, paired with two great offensive minds in their own right, in Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich. They're starting to develop that continuity and cohesion as far as play caller and quarterback pairing that they've already won a Super Bowl with last year in their first year. What is that going to look like in year two? Scary thought for the rest of the league. Most importantly, when it comes to the theme of this episode, if you want continuity, look no further than this team because all 22 starters returned from last year's Super Bowl winning squad. Uh, an astounding step. Doesn't really seem possible in context of present day in the salary cap, but somehow is true. Uh, yesterday, I spoke about the inevitability of Nick Saban and Alabama football and how they are just taking over the college game and squeezing the life out of everything in their path. And even within a sport as topsy-turvy as the NFL, you hear stats like this and you go, wow, Tampa Bay has this level of continuity. They have Tom Brady under center. They have a, a mutually beneficial arrangement between Arians Leftwich and Brady. And I can't really fault you if you start feeling the inevitability of Tom Brady winning another Super Bowl lurking right around the corner. That's kind of the feeling that I have coming into the season. That's why I'm betting on Tampa Bay to beat the Cowboys tomorrow night, and I'm sure I'll be betting on Tampa Bay plenty more times this season. So that's the good side of the continuity spectrum. You see it up at the very top, and you understand, yes, this is very, very, very beneficial for a team to have in place. When you have talent and you have continuity, it's only going to breed a better product, as we're seeing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. On the opposite side of the spectrum, it's teams who are looking to find that continuity and asking that simple question, just how do you build it? How do you build continuity? It's not as simple as just spending time together with one another. It's not as simple as just putting people in place and saying, two years from now, we're going to be significantly better than we were two years ago, simply because you understand each other a little better. It's never that simple. Um, remember, look back at the Aaron Rodgers-Mike McCarthy pairing. They won a Super Bowl at the start, 2010. It was new, it was fresh, it was exciting. It seemed like the world was the Green Bay Packers oyster. And then as that went along, it did not prove to be that. Uh, it, it turned stale and it turned kind of, uh, rather than a mutually beneficial arrangement, it was kind of the opposite of that. It was 
Mike McCarthy dragging Aaron Rodgers down into the mud. And it was only when Matt LaFleur came and said, this is a really talented quarterback. Let's put him in position to succeed that we saw the best version of Rodgers that we hadn't seen since 2014. So the benefit of this whole discussion for teams at the bottom of the barrel is that continuity can happen fast. Remember that second year leap. Um, The NFL topsy-turvy world, I talk about that all the time. This stuff can happen really quickly if you have the correct hire in place and if you have the correct quarterback in place. And those two things together can build one another up. Uh, You can build up that trust in talent on the roster, under center, at coaching position. You can build up trust with your scheme. Um, Essentially that feeling of, hey, I know what I'm doing. I trust in myself. But now I also know what you're doing. And I trust in that. And together we'll be greater than just the sum of our individual parts. From every single individual player all the way through every single individual coach. So a team that is... Very interesting to me coming into this year is the New York Jets. When you talk about this idea of how do we establish, how do we build continuity? Because it seems like they're going about it in the right way when it comes to Zach Wilson, their rookie quarterback. All new coaching staff, Robert Sala comes in. He hires Mike LaFleur, the brother of Matt, to run the offense, which I'm excited about as a person who enjoys watching Zach Wilson would like to see him succeed because that style of Offensive system is absolute gold for quarterbacks in general and really for quarterbacks that have talent like Zach Wilson. Rodgers within that scheme, uh, just a home run. Wilson, it's heaping a lot of pressure on him to say you're going to be Aaron Rodgers, but he comes cut from the same cloth as far as how he wants to play football. Just let my arm talent shine. So Mike LaFleur, okay. Let's put you in the system. Uh, You run a lot of play action, get you out and moving, and just start uncorking throws downfield. On the flip side of that, everything about this team is new. And a lot of losses presumably await this season. The Vegas win-loss total, it's set at six. I would probably bet the under before I bet the over on that. And the big question for the Jets this season, rather than how can we beat that and how can we make the playoffs, I think those are little loftier goals than this team should have. I think the number one priority of this team, when you look at this all new coaching staff in place, brand new rookie quarterback under center, and they're trying to atone for all these sins of the past and learn from their mistakes, well, how quickly and how do we most effectively establish continuity? That's what the Jets are seeking to do. Another team that is looking to find that same, same, same uh, mercurial thing is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence. You're coaching your quarterback. Two people attached to the hip when it comes to revitalizing this Jacksonville franchise. And early returns are not that promising, especially on the coaching side, on Urban Meyer's side. Because it seems like he is falling into the trap that many college coaches trying to transition to the NFL have fallen into in the past, treating professional athletes like they are 18-year-old college players. That rah, 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 I need to do everything for you. I need to tell you everything, Uh, which is strange because when you think about just practice in general, uh, if you have 30-year-old employees versus 18-year-old employees, You probably are treating the 30-year-olds very differently and trusting in them very differently than 
18-year-olds. It's just built into specific ages of those two parties. However, Urban, he seems uh, like he really wants to lean into coaching how he coached in college when it comes to off-field matters. I want to read something from Kevin Seifert of ESPN about Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. As one of the best college coaches of his generation, of this generation, Meyer lost three or fewer games in 15 of his 17 full seasons, and never more than five. His arrival in Jacksonville, Florida, brought national attention to one of the NFL's most ignored franchises. But based on what we've seen this summer, Meyer will lose more games and have a lower winning percentage than he ever has. He has a decent chance, in fact, of losing more games in 2021 than he did in seven seasons at Ohio State. Nine total losses. End quote. A lot of interesting numbers in that paragraph. Um, and this is a very interesting situation because Urban Meyer is one of the most successful college coaches of my lifetime. Starts out two decades ago at Bowling Green. And by the time he leaves there, they're a very successful winning football program. Never what you would equate with the Bowling Green Falcons. He moves on to the Utah Utes. And he leaves there in 2004 with an undefeated season on his resume. Um, they play that season, don't lose, go into the Fiesta Bowl, play Pittsburgh, beat them 35-7. to Alex Smith is his quarterback, ends up being the number one draft choice in the NFL draft that year. Incredibly successful tenure there. And then he moves to Florida. And he gets Tim Tebow and Chris Leak and wins a national title there in 2006. And then Chris Leak leaves. And he wins another national title with just Tim Tebow. And then he goes to Ohio State. And he has an incredibly successful tenure there and wins another national title in 2014 and leaves that program in an incredible place that Ryan Day has stepped in and taken over and seamlessly transitioned and is just still winning at the same rate that Urban was. Again, one of the most successful college coaches of my lifetime. So when you see somebody like that transition to the NFL for the very first time, that is always a riveting storyline to a season. Uh, that's why the Jacksonville Jaguars are one of the most interesting teams that are not actually going to be good. Because you're looking at it and saying, can Urban come in and succeed where coaches like Steve Spurrier or Nick Saban failed? Can they make that transition like a Pete Carroll made from USC to the Seattle Seahawks? So when you go back to the theme of this episode, continuity, and you look at the Jaguars situation and say, okay, you're seeking to establish this continuity and you're actually kind of an interesting opportunity to build this up because they're starting from scratch. Everyone who played a meaningful role on this football team that made the AFC title game a few years ago and were up 10 in the fourth quarter against New England, they're pretty much gone. Everybody. Jalen Ramsey, gone. A.J. Bouye, gone. Clace Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, Blake Bortles, Leonard Fournette. Just go down the list of everybody on that roster. They're all gone. And so now you're starting from scratch. And you've hired your coach of your future. If you're the organization, you're trusting in that hire, even though early returns haven't seemed promising. You've drafted Trevor Lawrence number one overall. And you're saying, this is the foundational relationship that we can build upon. Within this league, Continuity always starts with quarterback and coach. It's the history of the NFL. 
whether it's the Steelers winning a bunch of Super Bowls back in the day with Chuck Nolan, Terry Bradshaw. Decades later, Joe Montana and Bill Walsh winning with the Niners or in a more recent past with Belichick and Brady. Quarterback and coach is the foundational relationship that an NFL team can win upon. So the Jaguars draft Trevor Lawrence number one overall, viewed as a very special quarterback prospect, kind of the evolution of Andrew Luck. A lot of people think that to be true. Uh, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a good quarterback. Um, However, when you're looking to build up continuity, the most valuable piece of that is trust. Remember, going back to that feeling of, I trust in what I'm doing, and I trust in what you're doing, and together that will work into something that is in the best interest of our organization. Uh, That is the foundational piece of continuity. You have to make people believe and understand that you are competent and you are capable. That occurs in practice. That occurs off-field. That occurs on games. It's a whole sphere that ties into this idea. So Urban Meyer so far, not so great. Again, I've mentioned that. Um, Whether it's just off-field stuff, the controversial strength coach hiring of Chris Doyle, who then resigns one day later, whether it's the circus act that was the Tim Tebow signing, nobody really knew what was going on with that, uh, complete with his reps in the preseason trying to play fullback and block. I say that in hard air quotes because every highlight that was shown of him on Twitter was just this ball would be snapped and he would fall on the ground and he looked like a guy who hadn't played in the NFL in a long time and had never played that position. Very strange stuff. Or whether it's just simply grumblings coming out of their camp from players to local beat writers that Urban is treating practice like it's college. Again, that rah, rah, rah stuff, screaming, shouting, telling every player what they need to be doing over and over and over and not really trusting and understanding that these are professional athletes. These are grown adults. Let's start to build trust and continuity through a mutual understanding that, hey, I'm going to trust in you and you're going to trust in me and the stuff that we're going to need to tweak This is how we're going to go about tweaking that. So we circle back to kind of this overarching discussion that has been there throughout this show. How do you build continuity? How do you build trust? How do you find cohesion? All of the stuff that is really valuable within the sport of football. Essential questions at the top that a team like Tampa Bay, they have answered and they are currently answering. And some of the essential questions that these teams stuck at the bottom of the barrel are trying to lean into an answer in the upcoming season. Um, These teams with young signal callers and young coaching staffs, Jags, Jets, or Bengals with Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow, Chargers. um, These teams are trying to look at these questions and understand what is the best way of answering them for our franchise. That starts on Sunday. Uh, which is an interesting thing to always watch as a fan. Which of these teams and young signal callers, which of them are going to pop, which are going to fall flat, and we're going to understand pretty quickly, ooh, no, this might not be the best arrangement between quarterback, coach, and organizational ability to build continuity and cohesion across the board. Questions that, again, have been answered by the best teams in football, not just the Buccaneers at the top, but the three other teams that made the title games last year within their conferences. The Chiefs, they have that. The Packers, they have that. The Buffalo Bills, they have that. Um, That's one of the themes and questions that going into every NFL season asked and needs to be answered. So 
That kicks off tomorrow night. First game. Can't wait. Started the top of the show with a little gambling segment about it. Go and bet the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but that's tomorrow night. Dallas Cowboys against the defending Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, And the storyline of that game, it's kind of a mirror of what this entire show has been about. It's the defending champions that return all 22 starters on their roster versus a team that has wandered the wilderness for two plus decades, searching for that continuity and consistent winning football. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel at ceo.com.